Hi everyone, I'm Lance Avery Morgan here with Success with Style. I'm here with Rob Giardinelli, my co-host. Glad to be here with Lance and of course the amazing, wonderful, and talented Amber Elliott. And the three of us are here today in downtown Houston at the amazing Hotel Alessandra. Okay, we have one more amazing to say all the rest of the podcast, and then we'll say it too much. How do you feel about that? I love it. It's a drinking Amber game. Amber is here. So what a lot of people, everyone knows you, first of all. Everyone adores you, knows you. But tell us who you are and what you do for a living. Um, I am Amber Elliott. I am a society reporter for the Houston Chronicle. Um, and I met Lance about, well, we won't say how long ago. Um, in Austin, he helped me pretty much launch my entire career. Oh, come on. You launched it it's yourself. True. It was it was ready to launch. I needed the platform to spring off of, and you provided Aww, that. You're very sweet. Well, I'm glad you're here, and I'm so proud of you, mighty proud of you, with everything that you've done so far. You have been truly on this trajectory to keep the the rocket um, metaphor since you were we worked together, Brilliant Magazine. True. And then you went forward to another market. Tell us about that. I did. Um, one of the last people I interviewed for Brilliant Magazine was Jessica Latham. At the time, she did special events for Vanity Fair, um, and an opportunity came, became available at Vanity Fair to interview for a special events manager position. I went, I interviewed, I did not get that job, but I fell in love with Condé Nast um, in New York City, and so I moved there with three boxes and 11 interviews. And luckily, things just swung my way. <laughs> you moved there with three boxes of all your worldly belongings. Mm -hmm. That's, I, you know what? I know you to be quite the clothes horse. So how, what did you do? Roll everything? Some heavy editing. A is lot what, of is what Lululemon rolled up <laughs> is what I'm thinking. But I also knew that the closet space in New York was very limited. And so I used it as, you know, an opportunity to... To slim down and then expand. To acquire, yes, as they to say. acquire. So, and what you said when you went to New York, you had eleven interviews. Mm -hmm. How did those interviews go, and did that lead to your first opportunity in New York? So, my second interview was with another Texan, um, Tiffany Gifford at Condé Nast Traveler. She's now Miranda Lambert's stylist, and she has told me since then we're very good friends. That being a Texan really helped. That and I also ran across Times Square after our interview, bought her a thank you card and put it in the mail immediately. And so I think those little little Southern hospitality, the little That's touches so really help. You yeah. know, I think there are more Texans in LA and New York than there are New Yorkers and Los Angelinos. There are just there are Texans everywhere. And of course we're there are. we're piping in directly here from Hotel Alessandra in beautiful downtown Houston where you work. And you work not too far from here, right? The Chronicle has actually moved into the old Houston Post building at That's 610 right. and 59. Right. Our beautiful 114-year-old building is now a parking lot. Oh, that's right. I miss it terribly. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. But you know what? There's something to be said about sort of refreshing and reinvigorating with a new space. That's true. Right? Which is really good. So tell us about tell us about the Houston Chronicle. My God, that's mm -hmm. a it's a huge paper. It's a Hearst paper. It is a Hearst owned paper and I believe we still have the fourth largest Sunday circulation in the country. So I'm very proud of the work that we do and the loyal readership that we have. And like I said, we moved into the old Houston Post building which was redesigned after Google. So we're in one large modern newsroom which is very stimulating to be surrounded by, you know, editors and photographers and just being able to consume news all the time. Does everyone get along at the newspaper? Absolutely not. It would not be any fun <laughs> at all if we all got along. Why do you think that is? What is it about media and what were you attracted to with media when you first entered the media ball game? I mean, I think the magic of um, being in a newsroom is that 
everyone has a strong opinion. Um, being female and living in the South, I feel like sometimes it's not encouraged, you know, to have an opinion or take a position on something. But as a reporter, um, it's your job to absorb as many facts as possible, as many points of view as possible, and then almost take a stance on something or find the best way to deliver it to the reader so they can make their own opinion. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very challenging. And also the newness, um, you know, stories at a new super have one day life cycle. So yeah. just the challenge of always being creative and pushing to find the next story, the next interesting person, the next way to share Houston and what we love about it just fascinates me. Well, and you mentioned Houston. Houston is a diamond with many facets. It truly is. We're so lucky to have this major market in Texas, right? We've got Dallas, Houston, Fort Worth, San Antonio, Austin. You know, most states don't have that many major markets. So you look mm -hmm. at Chicago and Illinois, that's it. That's all there's in Illinois. They got it. Right? So so we have major markets to draw from. Tell us about, because you've lived in other cities and you've mm -hmm. done business in other cities. Tell me about your experiences across Texas and why Houston is so special to you. I think part of it is that Houston's my home and as I've grown up Houston has grown up as well I think I'm very fortunate to be in Houston at this point in time when we have so many sports team we just clinched you know the World Series um we have a lot of tremendous growth in in the arts departments we have the Museum of Fine Arts the Manel a lot of performing arts and right now I think a big initiative that our community leaders are working on is green space mm -hmm. and making urban Houston more livable and more accessible so to see that and be part of that was very attractive to me and part of why I wanted to move back and be here during this time. Right. So in terms of, you know, coming back to Houston, what from your time in New York, what did you take that you were really able to apply really strongly here when you came back after your time away from Texas? From working and living in New York? Yeah. Um, I think there's a sense of urgency in New York that we don't necessarily have in Houston. Um, and that, that, that's like Does that work for you or against you? Um, in the beginning, it worked against me because everyone is, you know, this is the South. Things move slowly. People are very polite. But I think um, an urgency to get things done and to do them well is something that I, I brought back and I applied to um, my work style. And I think that really helped. Um, I also think New York is a different sort of melting pot that, that Texas is. Mm. Um, you have a lot of you know, politicians and, and hedge fund and, you know, technology. And Houston is just starting to acquire some of those things. And so I think the experience of working with so many different types of people and social situations um, gave me a leg up on that trend that's just starting to touch down in Houston. And that affects the social scene. It does. Right. So tell us about the scene here. And because you grew up in Houston, but did mm -hmm. you ever think that you would be in this role with with how you grew up and reading the paper and did you ever think oh I'm gonna do that or I'm gonna do whatever it takes to do that or you know how did that work for you it's as a native? It's funny when I lived in New York I said the only way I'd go back to Texas was for Austin mm -hmm. <laughs> because I, I, lo that. I love I it so that much. Conversation, yes. But there was this opportunity I grew up reading Shelby Hodge who had my... Who didn't? <laughs> who had my job at the Chronicle for many many years and you know since I was a girl till now her job since she's left it has only become available maybe one or two times and i was at the wall street journal i think i was like 33 days in which is so embarrassing when she left when her that position became available again and so i cold emailed my now boss at like 1 a.m in the morning mm -hmm. um to ask for this job and i think i had a sense that the way that media works in the way that newspapers are going there might not ever be another chance to do this seize the day so 
I think I think there's something special about being in a position knowing that someone else might not come after me and that mm-hmm. this was literally the moment to go for it if I, if I were going to do it. So that really almost sounds like ground zero of your sense of urgency that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. How, what do you think was your secret that made her, made your now boss respond to the email that you sent at 1 a.m.? Because she could have easily just, you know, put it in the delete file. And what, what do you think was in there that really made her Okay, connect? I'm going to hop in real quick on do that Do it. One. Amber is a very talented writer, right? She is a great editor. And so I'm sure that you wordsmith the heck (laughs) out of that email. I think (laughs) she and I, now that my editor and I are friends, she's told me that so many people within that span came in and interviewed for that job. And I, you know, when I get very brave, I look back at the actual email and I think the title of the subject line was former Vogue market stylist for Houston, like, return to Houston, like question mark. It was like very direct mm-hmm. and brazen. And I can't believe I said that to her. And then within 36 hours, she said, if you want to move home and freelance, it's yours. Oh, and wow. she just kind of held it yeah. for me for 30 days as people are pitching and, and coming in. And so I showed up 30 days later and said, you know, I'm back. And she handed mm-hmm. me a stack of invites. And that's literally how it started. Well, and you know, that was a big risk on their end. And then you're in too. Yeah. Right. To, to do that, to move away from what you knew, not knowing what you didn't know. So you jumped into the social scene. Mm-hmm. So you'd been in the social scene in Austin. You'd been to things all around the world and certainly around the U.S. Tell us about the Houston social set. You know, I just, I had lunch this week with Ginny Packham, in the, the British designer, and her, mm-hmm. I asked her, what do you notice about Houston? Because I feel like I'm so immersed in it now. That's different about other places. And she says, Houston women love color. For them, getting up in the morning and getting dressed, that is an occasion, that is an event. And I think that really describes to me the social se- the social scene here. Women, what I cover focuses mainly on philanthropy, but being social in Houston is so much more than that. And Houston women take so much pride and enjoyment for dressing for literally everything, whether it's going to lunch or a fundraiser or for the like you know the office or a baseball game. I went to you know an Astros game last week with with Lynn White and Hallie. Van- just watching these women get dressed and take such pride in their appearance and representing our city at every possible opportunity is something that I don't think I appreciate because maybe it doesn't happen everywhere else. You know what? That's interesting because I think I agree with you, and certainly beyond Houston, Texas women love color, mm-hmm. and I think it's because they're colorful inside. Yes, they're lighter, they're more robust, they're happier, perhaps, and I think that that comes through with red and purple and orange mm-hmm. and lime green and all these great colors that really are kind of around year round, mm-hmm. if you will. I mean, maybe paired with black in the fall and winter, but. You know, there's a there's a color kind of code, if you will, to how these women roll, and they love their jewels too. We do. Yeah. So they how, and you. <laughs> so, how do you think um, your time on the social scene has influenced your own style personally? Oh gosh. Um. Oh, by the way, Amber is wearing a ten thousand dollar Christian Seriano <laughs> gown right now at our podcast. I'm wearing my Go Christian tennis outfit. Yeah, she's not doing that, but she could <laughs> if she wanted to. I'm going to be in black tie in like a few hours. Look, while I can. Well, I think we're going to be in black tie at the same place. Chris, the Children's Museum. Yeah, we'll absolutely. Be there. Yeah. So I will transform between yes, now and then. Will. The serums will work their magic. <laughs> um, I think being, I think there's um a, a level of tailoring and thoughtfulness here that I didn't see in New York, which is fascinating because I feel like women in New York 
have a different chicness, but women in Houston really like to put things together. And it comes down to the fit and not necessarily matching this bag to that handbag, but it all complements each other and goes together. It is a full head to toe look. Mm -hmm. um, it's almost, it, because I do a lot of styling for the Chronicle when we do fashion spreads, and it reminds me of that. There's something to be said about being able to walk into your closet and throw something on and look fabulous, but in Houston, it's about you know, a full head-to-toe look and thinking about the theme and the setting and the weather and the location. And so I think even coming from New York, dressing for Houston, I had to up my game there yeah. a little bit. And New York's a dressy town to do business in, which it, is It is a dressy town, yeah. but in a different way. You know, and I think that just uh, that... Um, to your point of dressing, it's respect for the occasion. Yes. So it's respecting a luncheon that would be a very expensive ticket price. It's uh, respecting the gala. It's respecting wherever that person is going and respecting it with how beautifully she turns out. Mm -hmm. And he too. Uh, men are super stylish in this town. They are. Yeah, and I think the one thing, and let me know if you agree on this, Amber, is women in Houston and men in Houston will take a certain level of risk with their fashion, not like crazy risk, but they'll take a little bit of risk in that they put together an immaculately put together ensemble, but they will go out of the box to, you know, show their personality a little bit. Sure. Yeah. And I think that's shown with, like you mentioned, accessories, jewels, headbands, you know, whatever, you know, seasonal things that are in. And I think that Houston loves trends, but there's more of a classic style too. So it's classic with the trends. There is. Um, I was thinking of a girlfriend that I was with the other night whose mom, you know, has an event on her calendar and she's flying to Florida because that Saks has a particular dress. And that's the level of thinking ahead that women go yes. to in this town. Right. Um, or, you know, I work a lot with Tenenbaum Jewelers and they have women who have, you know, their tabs on different suites. Like they want to be called if, you know, an emerald suite comes in or like a this color because they know in two years the theme of ballet ball is this. I think mm -hmm. it's that level of preparedness yeah. that I just didn't see in other places. And yeah. now that I'm in it, I really appreciate and it. It adds another element of just being festive when you go to so many things, just respecting and taking and admiring the level of dressiness that everyone you yeah. know enjoys and it gives you more to write about it does it does make my job a lot more colorful yeah tell us about some of your latest columns and what you've loved and who you've been profiling and some of your latest triumphs um so this time last week we just celebrated the museum of fine arts houston's grand gala ball this year the theme was um it was the courtly ball we had the london's natural National Portrait Gallery sent over a bunch of beautiful photos of um, from Tudors to Windsors, British royalty essentially. And so people had a field day with that. And one of my favorites, I talked to Becca for a long time actually, because she was wearing Alexander McQueen as I expected her to, but it was one of the last couture pieces that he designed before his passing. I think she got it in like 2009 and he yes. passed away the following year. Yeah. Um, so there were things like that. Um, Cherry Flores, who lives in Lynn Wyatt's, you know, former home on River Oaks Boulevard she chaired last year and she was responsible for bringing in Oscar de la Renta um you know the new designers Laura Kim and Fernando Garcia to Houston which is a massive coup but her daughters are younger than I am and they went to Paris to make sure that they had you know Edwardian collars and like the wrist accessories like to match so that became like two or three paragraphs in my story about yeah. the gala coverage because people go to such extremes to get dressed and I feel like we 
I owe it to them to talk about, right. you know, all that goes into it. Another thing that I think has been really exciting in Houston um, are what the McNairs are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, we love he, the McNair girls. Yes. They're he, adorable. And he, their husbands. Hannah and Cal McNair um, lost a child this time last year and they're since expecting, but, you know, through their trials they became very involved with march of dimes and so they co-hosted march of dimes 80th birthday celebration this year at steak 48 and steak 48 has never done a restaurant buyout they've never given the entire restaurant to a fundraiser before and so anything that's happening for the first time to Mm -hmm. me is is news and you know as a reporter i look for things that have never happened before and so that was a major get to see that family and the houston texans just you know within within reach just walking around you know talking to diners and doing whatever they have to to raise yeah. money it's just so fun and anyone who can kind of reinvent themselves or reinvent an event um i think just keeps things fresh and makes us all so proud and to your point upping the game right yes yeah and what do you think are some of the current trends in terms of you know top tier high level events that you're seeing um, I think right now, because Houston is on such a, getting such, so much national attention for our food, that foodie events, um, cocktail-related events, um, wine events, and then things that celebrate our green space, reimagining our urban areas, because we've long been criticized for you know not being a livable, walkable, drivable city. So anything that kind of pushes those projects along, you know, things that celebrate Memorial Park, the urban mm-hmm. green spaces. You know, right now we're Hotel Alessandro, which is by Green Street, and we're trying to get you know even more parks and green space surrounding here. So things like that that draw that that use an opportunity to shine a light on things that matter to Houstonians outside of you know, you know our River Oaks and that that like just affect the city as a whole. Um, I think are doing really good work. That's amazing. Well, it affects people who come to visit here too. It's a more pleasant experience. They come back. They consider yes. relocating. To Houston, there's lots of added value to how there that is. can expand. Yeah, and um, so tell me, um, what are some of the things you're looking forward to, you know, coming up um, after tonight, of course? After um, after being with us tonight at the Children's Museum Ball. Yeah. Um, are you wearing a mask, by the way, since it's Day it's, of the Dead? I don't think so. I might do a we fun are. festive headband, but I like. Oh, that. that's fun. I like that. <laughs> that's good. Um, things that I'm looking forward to: MD Anderson. Um, Cancer Center, they're partnering up with the Houston Rockets in a few weeks and hosting a very special Mm -hmm. dinner on the floor um, at the Toyota Center. So I'm very excited about that. I think- But you've been on the floor since you used to play pro sports, right? um, I think I'm a little short to do. (laughs) (laughs) But since Tillman Fertitta and his family have purchased the Rockets, I I have seen a lot more community involvement from that team. Well, Tillman and Paige are so engaged. They are. They're such a big part of the fiber of what makes this town tick. So that doesn't surprise me. So I'm excited about that. Um, they're also opening their home in a few weeks for the um, Houston Police Department Gala True Blue, which is super fun. Last year they had the entire Rockets team there, so that was really cool. Um, I have to mention the Houston Chronicles Best Dressed. Oh, yeah. Um, that's a heated, th- heated competition every year. <laughs> and there's only one person who decides that. I believe it's Amber Elliott. Um, there are three of us. Okay, excuse oh, me. So panel. I'm part of a trio, but we've changed it up this year. Um, oh, tell us about it. So the luncheon is in March, and Carolina Herrera's team is coming down and putting that on. But Sue and Lester Smith, our favorite wildcatter oh, couple, love them. approached us and said they wanted to help us up our game. So naturally 
actually, you know, my interest has peaked. Um, we traditionally raise between like 400,000 and 600,000 and they've offered us a match. So if the luncheon raises a million dollars, they're going to give us an additional million dollars. So we could essentially triple what we've raised in one year. They're also hosting our announcement party, which is in two weeks at their home. And we have- Which has one or two good pieces of art, by the way. And a ballroom. And Let's a ballroom. not forget that ballroom that can yep. seat 250 people. Yep. And, so, and so that's all I can say, but I know that there are more surprises in store after that big October 24th announcement party. That's exciting. It well, is. I mean, Houston's on fire. That's no secret. I think you're on fire. But what I want to do is we're going to get even more personal for a second oh dear. or two here. We've got some fun questions for you. Um, we, I, I personally want to know this, and that is because I've seen your resume over the years. Mm -hmm. I saw your, I think your first professional resume, right? So what, think, yeah. how, what did you, what was your first job? How did you earn your first dollar? Oh my God. First job, I babysat. Yeah, because your sister, your your siblings. I'm the oldest of a million kids. Yeah. And I grew up reading <laughs> the Babysitter's Club, and I begged my mother to babysit because in the books, 11-year-olds uh, babysat. And she said I had to wait till I was 13. And so I started babysitting at 13. And let me tell you, it is the most lucrative thing I did. And all of my friends were jealous because you get paid cash. And per and, kid, right? <laughs> per child. And you get paid under the table. And, you know, they feed you. You get to watch, like, movies with kids. And so I would make so much money babysitting and I that's what I did through college I was in I was a nanny um I did a lot with the Dell family and then like their family friends and so that's what I did for a very long time yeah isn't that wild okay so speaking of your resume what mm -hmm. is something that is interesting about you that we would not find on your resume that you would not find do you twirl plates do you oh my gosh you know I am a very big I play a lot of volleyball. Yeah. I, I come from a volleyball family. Okay. People are always surprised to hear that about me because I play sand volleyball. Mm -hmm. So I'll be outside. So great for <laughs> physical conditioning. For fitting into gowns. I mean, you can lose like four pounds in an afternoon. And so, <laughs> but I'll, I'll spend a lot of Sunday afternoons, like after church from two to the sun goes down playing sand volleyball. So people will see me, you know, at Whole Foods, like on Kirby and, you know, Westheimer, and I am like, covered in sand and they don't recognize me. I'm tapping oh, on their shoulder like, <laughs> oh, hey, right. I sat next to you at the country club. <laughs> like, who is the sand color? And you can't even monster. see them because there's so much sand in your eyes. Possibly. So That's people are awesome. always fascinated about that. Yeah. Isn't that fun? Yeah. Wow. So what would you, what would you say to someone who's never, you know, because before I met Lance, I had never gone to a gala in my life. Mm -hmm. If someone ever, were ever to be invited to one for the first time, what's the one piece of advice you'd give them? Have fun with it. I think you can all it's you can always spot a first timer because they're terrified. They're terrified that they're not using the right glass. They're terrified that they're not dressy enough. They're terrified that everyone can tell. Like have fun. Mm -hmm. I found that the people that go the most, that enjoy it, are the people that are having fun and they they want to interact with people who are enjoying themselves. And so relax. Like go to the open bar. Enjoy the filet mignons that's what we're usually eating like you know dance like, and enjoy it and, and have fun yeah. I think that's great advice yeah. I mean for any ballroom and you've you've played a lot of ballrooms I love a ballroom I mean are you keeping track seriously is it absolutely not is it 497 this year already probably one year I counted Hotel Alessandra hosted me last December they're like you've had a really busy fall because it was after Hurricane Harvey yeah and they let me stay and do the spa and I think I counted how many evening events I'd gone to like just that fall and it was like a hundred and something. That's wow. quite a few. And so I just said, we're just not going to count. What That's you, quite a few. I was going to say, do you have a record for one night number I, of events? Oh my goodness. Super Bowl. 
during Super Bowl, I think I went to six parties in one night and it was the most fun I ever had. I snuck into the Museum of Fine Arts for Rolling Stones party. Yeah. Um, that was like, I think the last night in that, in that evening, but I think I made a friend come with me. We hired a car, we had an SUV, just take us to all these parties and I had a blast. How fun. Yeah, that was a good you, time. Just you and Mick Jagger. <laughs> One of my high school friends, we went to Joanne King Herring, had a beautiful party. We stopped yeah. there. The Holt Houses hosted a poker tournament, and I love poker more than you can possibly know. Um, Michael Phelps was in town. Common performed. Um, they had, like, Armando's through the food and cigars and bourbon and a, a, a poker oh, tournament. I mean, if they hadn't invited me, I was going to break in. I was right, going to jump a right. fence. I was going to swim the moat. So, it, I mean, that was a Worth great night. It. <laughs> it sounds great. And the Super Bowl, I mean, doesn't come here all the time. It I does mean, not. It's, I remember when it came in 2004 was the last time. I think it's our second or third. Second or third. And, I mean, it set this town on fire. Fire. It this did. town did not know what to think about it. We did not. Lots of famous people were turned away who didn't have invitations. So now it's loosened up a, a little bit, according to you. Mm. you you've gotten in. You're in, <laughs> you're in with the cool kids. This time I made the cut. Yeah, just barely. Which is awesome. No. So, um, so what? Um, what is the? How do I say this? What in English, por favor. In, in English, por si. favor. Si, Thank si. you, sir. I really appreciate that. <laughs> what is the? Um, what is the one piece of it what is the one piece of advice you would give to somebody in terms of how to style themselves for an event don't wear black okay can we talk about that for a second because people we've... have gotten upset with me about this yes um yes, i remember yes, yes. when i interviewed at vogue i asked other girls who worked there what should i wear and they said do not wear black mm -hmm. and i asked why and they said first of all anna doesn't wear black and we don't photograph black because you don't get details right and I did not understand that because I love oh. black it is so chic um but I've noticed it's slimming in not slimming it's very flattering that, it's in slimming, person yeah. mm -hmm. but in photographs it doesn't read as interestingly as other things do and and, and so that would be my, my number one thing yeah. embrace even white kind of illuminates you um, an embellishment really adds dimension and we live now in a social media world I mean you might see 20 people that night but you know depending on how many Instagram or Facebook followers you have people will see and they'll identify you with a certain style and get a sense of who you are by photos and so to that extent I always say do not wear black I'm with you and you know what's interesting is that the trends on the runways mm -hmm. are black dark somber charcoal gray it reflects the current political mood Perhaps. and i think it's the the worst mistake ever because the reason men are in black and tuxedos is so that women can stand out Agreed. right i mean I, I know we've talked about this before but it's it's important and i think it it, it helps a, uh, elevate a person's mood to wear color and certainly at night it's fun it's festive like you said have fun with it having fun with color there are ways to wear black but when people ask me about this, I say, think of, you know, your favorite dresses of all time. Tell me the black ones. And it's very difficult to do. My favorite one is the Angelina Jolie, the, the famous Angie's right leg, where you can see her yeah. white, her leg, you know, jutting out of that black gown. But I think it's memorable because she was so alabaster and it was velvet and like the structure of it mm -hmm. is memorable yeah. but otherwise whenever i ask people it's very difficult they talk yeah. about michelle williams and like that crazy marigold um vera wang dress yeah. or you know when gwyneth paltrow won in pink but their memories are of colorful right. dresses that just you know are burned into your memory 
black is not memorable in that way. Yeah, I think you're right. I think if it's used as an accent, I remember mm -hmm. speaking of Lynn Wyatt, who was the ultimate, one of the ultimate fashion icons of all time, who just happens to live here. She wore something back in the day, in the 80s, and it was this really beautiful, like an emerald green mm -hmm. taffeta with this big black bow. And I mean, you could probably find that online because it was such an impactful dress. And I remember growing up as a kid and seeing that and going, wow, yeah. that's how that's done. Yeah, That's the big time. Oh, amazing. So, um, so I think we're just about out of time. No. Yes. More, we more, are. more, we more, are? more, always more, no. more, more. Oh so my gosh. My, um, my one last question for you is what, what does style mean to you? Oh gosh. Um, I'm going to steal from Rachel Zoe because she said this amazing thing that is style is telling the world who you are without saying a word. And that is how I think of getting dressed. I think what you're wearing can tell someone what, what mood you're in, you know, just how you're feeling at that moment. It's to elevate. I love Rachel Zoe, but Carl mm -hmm. Lagerfeld says, you know, fashion is art that you can wear. We put paintings on our walls. You know, you think of how long it takes you to find the right rug, the right couch. And yet, you know, our bodies are just as sacred and what you put on it can be very expressive if you choose to dress yourself in, with the same amount of attention as in detail as you would decorate, you know, your home. And so again, you only live once, you only look the way that you do for like each day you, you completely change. And I think being able to clothe yourself and accessorize and literally adorn yourself is just such a treat. Um, you should have fun with it. Amen. Rachel Express Who, yourself. Carl Who, it's all about Amber Elliott. That's the name to know. Well, Amber, this has been so much fun. I've known you since you were knee-high to a grasshopper. Still pretty short, so. Uh, <laughs> but tall in personality, that's for darn sure. And I'm so proud of your success. And I think that we have not even begun to hear about the era of Amber Elliott yet. I think the best is yet to be. And we hope you'll be on again. Will I you? will. Thank we come you on? for having me. Oh, we're so yes, thrilled. Of course. Yes. Well, ladies and gentlemen and sports fans, that is it for Success with Style. I'm Lance Avery Morgan. And I'm Rob Giardinelli reminding you that having great style is simply starting with having a great point of view. Have a great day. See ya.